0: And as we look a little deeper into that subject, Lord, this morning, may we know what you have in mind for us and know how you would direct our steps so that we can feel used by you, that we can feel the impact of our life on the life of another, Lord, because that there's no greater feeling. And so we just pray, God, that you would help us to begin that journey of discovering and using our spiritual gift this morning in Jesus' name. Well, a woman was enthusiastically relating to some friends about a first aid class that she had recently completed. and. She reported to them, she said, why only yesterday I was driving down the street and I heard this horrible crash and, and I, I pulled over and I looked behind me and I saw that there was a car that had hit a telephone pole. And so I got out of my car and I, I walked back to the, to the accident scene and, and there I saw an injured driver and my knees went limp and I wasn't sure what to do. And so I remembered my first aid training And so I put my head between my knees, and I didn't even faint. (laughs) Spiritual gifts are not mainly for us, for our use. Spiritual gifts are something that God gives us to share with others, to have an impact and make a difference in the life of another person. And so we want to serve. So I want to use a word called your sweet spot. So this morning we want to talk about finding your sweet spot, that place where you feel like you are using your gifts and you are in a place that fits your passions and it's a place that also, a, with a people group, let's say, that fits who you are. So you have to discover where to use your your spiritual gift, not just to discover your spiritual gift, but where to use your spiritual gifts. One person said that, that Jesus didn't say, I came that you might have study and have it more abundantly. He came and said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the words in the New Testament that are most often used to describe the spiritual life are not study, although it's important, but it's love Giving and serving. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Remember, we're in the midst of a sermon series called The Traits of a Healthy Church. And we did last week, we talked about gift based ministry. This week, we're going to continue that and finish up with gift based ministry as one of the eight essential traits of a healthy church. And so let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It says, There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working or effects, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Have you ever wondered, what what do I really have to offer that makes any difference in the life of another person? Have you ever wondered what, what are my unique things that I bring that why I'm on the face of the earth. And that's partly what spiritual gifts want to talk to you about. What is something God has placed inside of you that is uniquely you? You have a spiritual gift for a very specific spiritual ministry that God has for you. That's what I call your sweet spot. When you're using your gift in the place with the people that God has called you to use that spiritual gift. That's what God wants. But I want you to notice something. Not only is that gift uniquely you, but there's a variety of things that go around in the theme of this passage a lot of, a variety of gifts and some other things. The church needs a variety of people so that they can reach a variety of needs. That are out there in the world. They don't God doesn't expect you to meet every need that comes across your path. There are other people who are suited for that. And so you have a spiritual gift for a spiritual ministry and a variety of people for a variety of needs. For instance, let's say somebody has a need, if you have the gift of administration, maybe the way that you approach that is a let's get the job done. There's a bunch of you guys out there that you're let's get the job done kind of people. Now, some of you might be gift of ministry, I mean, gift of mercy. And you might have a whole different approach to the exact same person in the exact same situation, but you're just like, no, 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 wait, where's this person's heart wounded? How can I show empathy and care and concern? And so the gift of mercy might address the same situation on a let's heal the person kind of point of view. And so you need both. You need both working together as a team. And we're going to go over some of those gifts, almost like kind of a grocery list in a few minutes. But for now, what is your sweet spot that God has for you in that variety of ministries that God has? It says there are a variety of gifts, and there are a variety of ministries. This is literally the word serving, that we get the word deacon from, serving. There are a variety of gifts, but there are also a variety of ministries, different ways to serve. Not everybody is going to use the same spiritual gift. Let's say you have the gift of teaching. You might be using that spiritual gift you know, in a, in a classroom with children. Or you might have a spiritual gift of teaching and you use it in a small group setting in your home and it's an adult Bible study. And you facilitate the, the, what goes on in that and you use your gift of teaching in that way. So the same gift doesn't have the exact same way that it works in every single situation. Go, well, your gift of teaching is different than mine. I can't speak in front of a big group of people, but maybe God calls you to a small group of people and you are really great at getting discussion going, at people unpacking scripture. And see, I personally think a lot more life change happens in some cases in a small group than it does even here. Because this is a one-way conversation. You might be really good at getting people to go, I've never saw the scripture like that before. Wow, that really makes sense because you got to unpack it and discuss it and you're a master of discussion. So there are a variety of gifts, a variety of ministries or ways to serve. Might be up front, in front of a large group, might be smaller group, might be with adults, might be with children, might be with teens. So let me ask you a key question. That goes along with what's your spiritual gift is what's your passion? What do you really love to do? What is something that, even you know, when you were young as a child, I, I've read some stuff that talked about how we all are creative and we lose it. By the time we're an adult, it gets beaten out of us, that creativity. I remember drawing as a little kid, my was never in art, that was not my good subject and so I made colored clouds and the teacher went, Wow, that looks like colored smoke signals from one Indian sending to another kind of thing and, and I remember thinking, Oh, it's bad. Because you know, kinda of made fun of. And so I thought, I can't draw and so I never tried to draw after that. Well I mean I had to because I was in elementary school where they made you draw, but it wasn't something of that maybe there is a creative passion in me. And maybe when I was a kid, I didn't even know that because some people never really encouraged that. But maybe that's part of my passion is discovering something in you that's laying dormant or something go, I used to love to do that, but I don't have time. And so you quit doing it. But maybe that's partly where your passion is, something you love to do. You like to build things. You like to organize things. Our oldest son, who was attention deficit, hyperactive disorder, ADHD, and and so, you know, we'd get the calls from teachers at school that said, you know, maybe you need to put him on Ritalin and, and these different things. But we watched this kid out. We had a trampoline in the neighborhood organizing all these neighborhood kids in different games. And so this one neighbor said, I have never seen someone more creatively use a trampoline than your son coming up with all these neighborhood kids. Now, when he's a teenager, they also discover jumping off the roof in the snow onto the trampoline into a snowbank, but hey, it was a passion. Maybe needed shaping. We knew this because our rhododendron was split one day when we came back from cross-country skiing. But what's your passion? Not just what's your gift, but where's your passion, that sweet spot that you would take that gift and you would use it in that place and you would just mad, this, this is great. I love doing this. It energizes you. And it also says in variety, there are a variety of workings, a variety of effects. It's really the word energizing. I like to call it a variety of ways God empowers. And sometimes it's big and sometimes it's small. There's a variety of results. for instance, I think we could all agree Billy Graham had the gift of evangelism, right? So someone say, well, I'm not Billy Graham. I I can't have the gift of evangelism, but not true. A variety of effects, of workings. Yeah, Billy Graham's, gift was called in a big, huge stadium group where, you know, hundreds of thousands would come forward. But you, maybe you say, but I just talk to people. I'm in a coffee shop and I have conversations and, and spiritual stuff comes up. And, and it's like God just puts me in this place where some of these people just, they really want to know spiritually. And then they go, well, how do you become a Christian? And, you know, I'm sort of like, I'm like dying for these things to happen to me, but they happen to some other people who, Regularly, get like God just places that person in their point of view, and it's a one on one thing. And you might say, Well, compared to Billy Graham, their gift of evangelism is nothing, right? A variety of effects. God isn't judging based on your how many numbers of this and that and how effective it is, He's just asking you to be faithful with the gift He's given you. And when you get to heaven, you might be surprised. You might see this person that you thought, you know, first of all, like, how'd they get there? But what in the world are they doing in charge of all of this stuff in heaven? How are they reigning in such a big way? Because they were like, you know, they, they did this insignificant job. They collected the trash on the street. And, you know, I was I was so much bigger in what I did. And, you know, what's going on here? Because God doesn't look at how your numbers stacked up. He looked at how did you use that gift faithfully in your place and that lady that cleaned up every night in the office was used effectively in how she used her gift. And so God has great rewards. He didn't look at, you didn't do enough big stuff. He said you were faithful in what you did. And that's all he said is there's a variety of effects, a variety of workings, a variety of ways God empowers. And so what does God want you to do and what setting? And then you let him worry about the results of it when you're being faithful. Now, I want you to notice something. Did you notice that there's kind of a pair of variety of gifts, but the same spirit? Different ministries, same Lord. Variety of effects or different effects, the same God. So we have spirit, Lord, and God. Kind of the Trinity popping up right there saying that the unity of God is he shares with who he is among the members of the Trinity, and there's this interchange. It's the same unity idea as we all take our gifts and we pull them together with this unity idea. It isn't like, wow, you get to do the upfront stuff, but I'm a behind the scenes person, so you're more important. Nope, it's unity. It's the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. So look on your outline if you pulled it out and you'll see a point. Number one, spiritual gifts have a variety of functions, but one purpose. Spiritual gifts have a variety of functions, but one purpose. Okay, so we put it all together so we have that oneness. It says now in verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I want you to notice that common good idea. I know, the computer's stuck. Having a little glitchy problems with our computer this morning. So, I want you to notice the common good. The variety of spiritual gifts, the variety of ministries, the variety of effects or results are for the common good to meet different needs. It's not for you... Alone. I mean, yes, you get something out of it, but you, we're not all a bunch of lone rangers that are running around trying to figure out how, you know, I can do my own thing. It's like, how do I do what I'm doing for the common good, for the other people that are out there? It takes all kinds of believers working together to reach all kinds of needs in our world. God gave us one of the best examples in nature of how the body of Christ could work and how spiritual gifts could all get together. And so honeybees, anybody raise bees? A few of you are bee, bee raisers, okay. (laughs) I'll pick on Ruth, you have to tell us all about beekeeping. No, I'm just kidding, I won't make you talk. Okay, so the honeybees, they're like they say 80,000 bees could be in a hive, let's say. And do you know that each of the bees has a specialized purpose. Not every bee does the same thing. They all don't leave the hive in the morning and go fly around pollinating your flowers. Some stay in the hive for different duties. Some are the forager bees, like you see out there, searching in the outside world, pollinating your flowers and and making things grow because of that. There are guard bees that protect the hive at the entrance from intruders. And then there are other bees that are water collectors and they kind of, you know, help keep the humidity in the hive going. And, and so they, they have a specialized way that way. Then there are the bees that are plasterers that repair the hive. Some scent fanners that use their little wings and they get the scent going out because some bees get lost and disoriented. And they don't ask for directions because they're all guide bees. No, I'm just kidding about that part. <laughs> They need scent fanners to be at the entrance and signal the location to the, the bees that are lost that can smell it. Scout bees go out and they look for what's out in the world that might be an opportunity, what might be a danger. And so they come and whatever way they can communicate that to the queen or to the other bees. And there are even a few bees that are undertakers that remove the dead bees from the hive. Look at the variety and the specialization, and yet they all work together in a hive. So Ruth, can you identify each one of those bees and you have them all named and labeled, right? Excuse me, what's he talking about? But you can look at the bee, they they look the same to us, and we look... All of us are people, but we have different things inside of us, different specializations, different ministries, different callings, and it all works together to help each of us find our sweet spot in the variety, in the, in the kingdom of God. So variety is the common goal. It's the common good that God wants for us to promote. So no one else has your exact passion. No one else has your gifting. No one else has your place. Those three all kind of come together. Somebody else might have your gift. They might even have your passion, but it gets used in a different way. So what's your passion? What's your sweet spot? Because knowing that can change your outlook on life. How do you dream? And if you were just to sit and imagine, what would God want you to do? In the world that you would just walk away and think that I just love doing that. And it would give you purpose. It would give you meaning and fulfillment. That's what this morning is about. Challenging you to think about what way God wants to use you. Now, did you know churches also have callings that are unique and special? You know, this church to wheel evangelical free church. We have a special calling for this region. Our calling may be a little bit different than abundant life or adding new life or the Baptist church in town. And so we, the, we look around and say, each the churches, we also kind of have different purposes and places and, and unique callings. And so if we figure out what is God calling us to, because that's part of what this transition period is supposed to be about, right? Is who are we? Where do we want to go? And then we find the man that God calls for us to come in and fit what we feel God is calling us to. We don't just go out there and find someone and say, you tell us what to do. Because what if it doesn't fit what, who we are? It won't work. We'll all be unhappy in the end. And so we have a unique calling as a church and God will provide the gifts for that calling. Now that means if you have a gift that's uniquely you and a place and you're not doing it, then the church is going to have a little hole there, aren't they? So we all have to do our part. And for a lot, remember, it isn't all just about coming to church and doing the stuff in the building. It's about out in the community. Some of you, most of you even, your calling is using your spiritual gift out in the community to minister to people. And you say, I don't have time to do this. It isn't adding a whole bunch of activities into your life. It's like taking the ones you have and using your spiritual gift and ministering where God has placed you with that gift, with that passion and in that place with the particular group of people that God has called you. So number two, I want to give you some examples of spiritual gifts. Okay, now, these are only representative. There are about 21 of them. I'm going to kind of read them to you, but the list of the names is listed there. And so these are the four major passages that you see that we get these gifts from. And so 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, these are commonly the places that look. But, you know, some have say, you know, the number of spiritual gifts, some say, are endless because this is just a representative look. Someone said after Sunday school, "Yeah, you didn't put craftsmen on your list." And some lists have craftsmen on there. It was an Old Testament thing when they were making the temple, and people were specially skilled to use that. That you know, some of you might have the gift of craftsmen. So if it's not on this list, oh wow, see, my gift's not there. I don't have one. Then don't assume that just because your your list isn't one these twenty-one. And there are so many different. Patterns. There's some have 28. I've seen eight in there. So here's some representative ideas, not meant to limit what God does. Administration. You are good at organizing and managing effective plans and accomplish long and short-term goals. Now, by the way, I should also mention you might be really good at this in your business, and you say, "Well, then I must have that gift in the body of Christ." Not necessarily. You could be a teacher, and you could be the greatest teacher in a school setting, and yet you may not have the gift of teaching, because it's a spiritual application. It's God empowering you, and you could be really good there, but maybe for spiritual things and, and getting people to interact on a different level, that's not where you find yourself being used. So don't assume your career is automatically your spiritual gift. So... Administration, you might be a great businessman, but that isn't what God calls you to do in the spiritual gift realm. But this person, they can organize and manage effective plans and short-term goals that have a spiritual outcome, therefore a spiritual purpose. Apostle, we mentioned last time, sent by God with authority to lay a foundation, to establish things in a new area. So some say church planters often have this gift. Discernment. You can know truth versus error, the nature of a, a spiritual activity. Some things can look great on the outside, but maybe you can. See, you have this special way of knowing. You know that person's kind of just using, their their own natural fleshly ability. It's not like they're bad, but it's not necessarily a spiritual thing, and you discern that. Or is something. Even from Satan, you can discern a spirit that sounds good because you know satan doesn 't usually run around with a pitchfork and a red suit and horns identifying himself he he 's subtle he takes stuff god 's stuff and twists it and inverts it and makes it look different but but it it deceives people. Satan is the great deceiver, so a spiritual gift of discernment can sometimes tell if something is not from the Holy Spirit evangelism we 've mentioned. In our illustration, you are able to share the gospel in a way that that people come to Christ. And it's really a supernatural thing that the Holy Spirit brings people to you because you're kind of, for lack of a better term, the closer in the deal. That you just have a natural ability or not natural spiritual, supernatural spiritual ability that win souls, that help people become followers of Jesus Christ Exhortation gift, helpful and healing words of encouragement and admonishment. You are often good at counseling one-on-one people, but it has a spiritual outcome. You might be a therapist. You might be a counselor, very good at your job, but maybe in the spiritual realm, the gift of exhortation, you have a different gift from that. And so it doesn't mean your career gift is wrong. It just means that they don't always have to match up. Sometimes they do, by the way. The gift of faith, extraordinary confidence in God's promises, his power, his presence. So you are out there advocating for, for God's work. I bet it, a gift of faith in one way or another, <clears throat> somebody had a vision for this building, this all of this building, and it took a... But, you know, we're just a little church of 30, 35 people, which is how big you were when I was here in 27, 207 and 208. And who would imagine that you would have both of these buildings built debt-free, but I'll bet some gift-of-faith people, I believe God can do it, right? And that happened because a gift-of-faith person motivated you and believed what God could do. You know, I'm a person that's like, you know, I have to see the practical, you know, things of it. You know, they say there's optimists and there's pessimists and then there's the who took my water kind of person, so the glass is half full half empty or my water's missing and so you know you need somebody more than just an optimist you need a gift of faith the gift of giving offering material blessings with uncommon cheerfulness and generosity the gift of giving people they can't wait to share something else they might it might be a possession it's not always even money the gift of healing. They're able to restore physical and emotional health to the sick and the injured and often in a, in a supernatural miraculous way because you know, doctors have the gift, a gift of healing in the natural world but not necessarily does that mean they can lay hands on someone and their person is healed. But the gift of healing which is often put with the sign gifts is one of those supernatural gifts to restore somebody. It doesn't even have to be instantaneous. It might. Happen over some time, the gift of helps, also called the gift of serving, in which we accomplish a, spirit, a practical task, a behind-the-scenes person, and you do the less visible stuff, so that the people who are more visible can get be more effective in what they do. For instance, now I don't know that Diane back there has the gift of helps, but you know, if I was guessing, that would be one I would throw into her bucket, maybe back there you may not even know she's back there sometimes she's quiet but the you know the stuff's working and when it doesn't work like it did earlier all of a sudden it's working if the sound doesn't work you know it and so how would some of you hear me and how would my voice even make it to the end of a morning unless somebody with the gift of helps was helping make that possible And so it happens all the time. The gifts, VBS, uh, the kids' snacks, people that work in the kitchen. All of these things in which the whole program goes, and yes, the teachers are important, but what would happen if no one was out there making all of these things happen? All of the many numbers of you that were involved in that. Some of you had the gift of helps, yes? Hospitality, extending a warm welcome and opening your home cheerfully, and sometimes that's for food and fellowship, sometimes for lodging. You know, the gift of hospitality was really important in the early church because, you know, there wasn't like, you know, the Ramada Inn of, of you know, Bethany, the room, I'm staying at the Ramada Inn in Jericho, you know, they didn't have those kinds of things there, and so they needed homes, and it was not always safe to spend the night on the road. And so if you were a believer traveling around, going from place to place, hospitality was a pretty important gift to give that safe and warm, welcoming place. The gift of intercession, praying for an extended period of time on a regular basis and seeing that there are outcomes to those prayers. You see them answered. doesn't mean they're always answered the way you pray, but God, show us, answer this. And so, you know, I've been in prayer meetings. In fact, we, we did some, like, half-day prayer times with the staff in my last church. And so I remember a brand-new person, we said, we're going to pray for, for three hours, and then we're going to share. And they came back and go, you know, after, like, 15 minutes, I had no idea what to do. Like, how do you pray for three hours with that? I mean, how in the world does that work? This statement would be completely, like, a, a gift of intercession would go, how do I stop at just three hours? Because it's a natural flowing thing that you pray and you get caught up in it and you love to do that for a long period of time and you see God answering that. So the gift of intercession. The gift of tongues to verbally speak through the supernatural power of God in a language you have not previously learned. pentecost they were known languages. The people hearing the tongues and they go, hey, that's my language. Hey, that's my language. Now some have a prayer tongue that they say is a gift of tongues and you could debate whether that's in the, in the gifting part of it. But the idea is it's a language you didn't previously have learned. And if you have it in the public worship, tongues, that is, you need an interpretation of Tongues. Somebody who can hear that and translate and explain the meaning of the, the spoken word and the gift of tongues. And so isn't because like, oh, I know that language. Yeah, oh yeah, that's this, this dialect from South America. It's not Spanish, but I knew it because I was there. That's not the interpretation. It's supernatural. Like all the gifts, God's spirit is at work. The gift of knowledge to supernaturally understand and communicate a specific truth from God that's needed in a specific situation. And so you're able to like, wait, God, you know, I, I, I sense this idea, this truth that God would want shared. And so, wow, that, that fits exactly what we needed to hear that God needed to remind us of. The gift of leadership. You can motivate and direct God's people to work together effectively to accomplish God's vision. Again, world, the world model of leadership and spiritual gift of leadership are not always the same thing. It isn't just the person who has this really bossy temperament. The gift of leadership is somebody who can motivate people toward God's vision and God's things. They might do it in a very quiet, a very non-pushy kind of way, but it's still a supernatural gift. Mercy. You feel empathy for those in distress. You are able to take your compassion and translate it into practical deeds that alleviate suffering. Miracles perform supernatural deeds that authenticate the ministry and message of God. The gift of shepherding. Some have called it the gift of pastoring, but I don't like that label because then you think, oh, it's this hired person who does a job. The gift of shepherding is this that person who nourishes and takes care of a flock of people. They guide them. Um, they build them up, and they exhort, they feed, guide, protect, discipline, lead them. And they just care for this flock. You could be a small group leader and you might have the gift of shepherding. Because you not only are able to facilitate a discussion that people learn, but you're able to take care of the people. There's the gift of prophecy. To speak and apply God's revelation in a given situation to build up and exhort and challenge, often the prophets are challenging. People think of prophecy as as future. Here's what's going to happen in the future. And it, sometimes that's true. More often in scripture, it's not foretelling, it's forth telling, meaning here's what God has to say about this situation right now. And you can speak into that. Now, again, this gift needs like some of the other sign gifts. You've got to test them. And you have to make sure that this isn't just somebody doing their own thing. And so you often need some other people that can validate that prophecy as really from God, which is why the discernment part comes in. The gift of teaching, to study, understand, and explain spiritual truth and spiritual principles so that others not only are able to say it and entertain, in fact, entertaining really isn't even in the mix. It's so people learn and apply it to their life the gift of teaching. The gift of wisdom is the practical application of God's knowledge and work to a specific area of life. Okay, so, you have a gift, you have a passion, and you have a place. So how in the world do you, our last point, discover your spiritual gift? Well, here's some ideas. First, be open to God. That's just kind of a, Obvious beginning point, but if you're not submitting your whole life to God, including your spiritual gifts, it's gonna be hard to know what your gift is. Number two, examine your passions, your desires could be areas of the Holy Spirit leading. Things that that the Spirit just puts in your life. And like I mentioned, it might be back as a child. You you had this, you love creative expression. You like building things with your hands from the time you were young. You like to organize things. You like to help and do things behind the scenes. You are an inspiring person. And all of this is stuff that, you know, you just like doing it. You feel this passion. And so people often say, well, you know, my passions, that's my flesh. Not necessarily, oh, yeah, maybe it is, but it can be the spirit. can be working and just motivating you with things you love to do. Don't discount what you love to do as a part of this mix. And then you can take a spiritual gifts test. There is a link on your bulletin. I know you, if you're feverishly trying to write that down if, in the outline, we'll put this link there. And this is, uh, I forget, 120 questions and they'll give you uh, a result at the end of that if you're wondering what your spiritual gift is. This isn't the only way to know your spiritual gift. You gotta kind of test it out. It may give you three or four different options. And oh, by the way, you may have and probably do have more than one spiritual gift. So look for your gifts. You could try this online test. Um, To my knowledge, they aren't going to sign you up to receive a sample copy of their magazine and then make you pay for it at the end of that time. So I think it's a safe link. If it's not, let me know. And uh, that would be a way you could go with uh, that group, churchgrowth.org. Pray about where to serve. Ask God to show you where your gifts or gift, gift or gifts could be used. Evaluate the outcome. Ask, you know, do others are they benefiting when I do, have this gift in this situation? Do others like, wow, that that was great. That was helpful. Do you get some feedback? Listen to the feedback. It's not going to be perfect. You have to, as the last one says, get trained for, to use your gift. But look at that outcome. And one of the ways I like to. Like challenge people is to, to say are you energized from using that gift or are you like just wrung out and exhausted you know I did a lot I was a pastor of counseling for a while because I think I have the gift of exhortation and I had a guy that works at computers all day long And so he, I sit at a computer and I type and I come home and Karen goes, what happened to your eyes? They are bloodshot, they, you know, and I'm drained and exhausted. It's like that computer has these invisible tentacles that just suck the energy out of me. And he loved doing that. And he goes, I just, I don't see how you can sit and listen to people talk about their problems all day long. My wife talks to me for 10 minutes and I'm exhausted and have to go to bed but I love to sit in front of my computer. And I think I sit in front of it because it's kind of what I have to do, but I get a lot more energized helping people than I do typing on my computer. So look at what does it energize or exhaust you? Now, if you have the gift of helps and you put the roof up and you put the trusses up and you go, I was pretty exhausted after that, but you know, it's kind of a a good tired, right? You, You aren't like exhausted in your spirit from it. Even if your body is tired, and I mentioned lastly, get trained for your ministry. Spiritual gifts need to be developed over time to be more effective. If You aren't going to say, "I know my spiritual gift, and it's completely big and full-grown and mature as it's ever going to be." you also grow in this area, just like anything else. So what's your passion? What are your gifts? What's your place of ministry? In that place, it might be kids, might be teens, might be young adults, middle adults, middle age, older folks. You might have a gift for that. Maybe other ethnic or different economic groups from yours. Immigrants, World Relief down in Spokane, we're volunteering with them. From our time in Egypt, we love to interact with people from different cultures. And so, you know, that's a part where we can use our gifts is with that population of people. Maybe inner city or maybe suburban or maybe rural, maybe overseas. And that might be in a third world country or it might be in a first world country, like in Europe somewhere where it's very technologically advanced, but you just feel that's the place God's calling you to use your passion and use your gifts. Let me close with a story that will go into communion. A young man received an envelope from his grandfather at the point of graduation from high school. And he looked at the envelope and he knew what was in it because they had told him for years, oh, grandpa is going to give you a whole bunch of uh, negotiable bonds that you can use when you get out of high school. That will be part of your reward. Well, this young man decided, you know, I know what this is. I'm going to put it aside for four years and I'm not going to spend all of them, these bond money for my college education. I'm going to go to college, and he did. He, for four long years, he went to school in the morning. He uh, worked in a job in the afternoon, and, and at night he studied. And so four long years later, he gets his college degree. It's finally time to open up his envelope, and there it was, all those negotiable bonds that he knew were coming, and a full-ride scholarship to a major college. You see, he didn't use his gift. He didn't open it up at the point where he should have. The story illustrates that we do the same with our spiritual gift. God gave you a spiritual gift the moment you became a Christian, and he wants you to open it. He doesn't want you to wait till you have more time, wait till your kids are grown, wait till you have kids, or whatever it might be. He wants you to open it now. He wants you to use that spiritual gift to find your passion, how it aligns with your spiritual gift. That passion the Holy Spirit has also put in you. And then ask God, show me the place. Show me where to use that. What group of people, what physical location. And then just pray through for God to use you. Because that gift is there whether you use it or not. But don't wait to invest yourself to invest your gift in other people. Because it's not only them that lose out, you lose out. Let's pray. Lord, there's a, a lot of options that we talked about today, a lot of things to figure out. But we just pray that your spirit would give us the direction that we need to know what are the, the special, supernatural, spiritual gifts that you've given us. And what are my passions? What do I really love doing? Not what things I think I ought to do, but what do I like to do? And where would that be? Show us, God, and as we look, remembering it's not just inside the church, but outside to take our gift, our passions, and our calling. So show us what that might be. And then God, help us to take those gifts and share them as a body so that we, for the common good, can be encouraged as we hear the stories of how you are at work among us. So this church can fulfill its unique and special calling in this region. So show us in Jesus' name.